We are so glad you've joined us today for our Tuesday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we are continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Soon your trials will be over. Now the Lord came and stood and called this other time, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, Speak for your servant here. I don't think that this was a vision or a dream. It says the Lord came and stood. So there was some manifestation of himself before Samuel. And, uh, and God spoke to Samuel in an audible voice, Speak for your servant hears. And that should always be our, our prayer. Make yourself available and say, Lord, speak. Um, and so he's making himself available to the Lord, shows his humility, he's waiting on the Lord, and then God speaks. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In other places in the Old Testament, we see tingling of ears speaks of judgment. Um, in 2 Kings twenty-one twelve, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah that whoever hears of it, both his ears will tingle. In Jeremiah 19, verse 3, it says, And hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I'll bring such a catastrophe on this place that whoever hears it, his ears will tingle. And so... He's about to tell him about Eli and what's going to happen, and it speaks of judgment here. Um, the judgment that God speaks of in Hosea, in context of Israel being the priest to the rest of the nations, he says this in Hosea 4.6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you from being priest for me, because you've forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. And so... Here is a perfect example with Eli and with the nation of Israel that um, a teacher is under a stricter judgment because Israel as a nation was supposed to teach the other nations who God is, and they didn't do that. And because of that, if you're not proactive in being who you're supposed to be, eventually you'll forget who you really are and why you were created. I think that's one of the reasons why we are to be proactive and that in Timothy uh, 2 verse 1 where, where Paul is exhorting Timothy to find faithful men who you can pour into who will then be able to teach others as well because once you receive and then you begin to use that in order to minister to someone else, you realize the reason you were created to bring God glory and to make his name great and we really can only do that one-on-one with people. I know who God is. I know what he's called me to do. I'm going to do that. And by doing that, you're reaffirming of your understanding of what your calling is and who you really are. And if you're not fulfilling your calling, eventually what's going to happen is you're going to forget why you're even created. You're going to forget that you were created in the image of God in order to make his name great. And you will forget that. And that's why we have to proactively be pouring into other people. That's why the nation of Israel should have been pouring into other people. Eli should have been pouring into other people, but he wasn't doing that. And if you ask me, he gets complacent that we'll see here in a moment. Verse 12, it says, In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile 
and he did not restrain them. Again, gives validity to what we taught last week about this is the reason why God is judging him. Is because he has responsibility there as the high priest not to allow anybody else to be a priest that isn't going to correctly represent God. And so God is not so much holding Eli accountable as a father to his sons as much as God is holding Eli responsible for the priesthood of not disqualifying his sons as priests. Eli had a greater responsibility before God to honor God above his sons, and he didn't do that, and God's going to judge him for that. Remember, we talked about this last time in chapter 2, and so that's just a little bit of a review there. Verse 14, And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned by the sacrifice or offering forever. Now, first, this might sound, I don't know, pretty harsh, um, that, uh, you know, that he's going to remove the, the priesthood from him forever. But remember, God sent him that man of God. Now, how many years has it been since then? It has to be years. Because Eli is now a young man, or, or, or uh, yeah, a young man, or, or like a child of like probably seven, eight, or nine. Um, when he was first handed over to Eli, when this man of uh, God came, he was just weaned, so he's probably three or four. So probably, I would surmise, probably at least three or four years have gone by, and he has not acted in a repentant manner by removing his sons. And so God is speaking through Samuel about what's going to happen to Eli, and here's the reason why. He has not removed his sons. Almost like saying, and he still hasn't removed his sons. Even after I send the man of God, that prophet, to him, telling him, you're going to be judged for not doing this. And a few years goes by, and he still hasn't done it. That's what tells me that Eli does not have a repentant heart because repentance speaks of action. It speaks of action. And so, nowhere do we read that Eli was grieved, moved with remorse or repentance. And if you don't repent, there's no sacrifice or atonement that will cover an unrepentive heart. And that's why it says uh, that Eli, that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Why? Because he doesn't have a repentant heart. And there is no offering that can cover. There's nothing that can atone for an unrepentant heart. And that's the same today. And what an unrepentant heart is called today? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a great witness of the person of Jesus Christ. He's not there to bring attention to himself. He's there to bring attention to the person of Jesus Christ. And if you live out your whole life as God is bringing one person after another to be able to share with you the glory of Christ and why you need to receive Christ, and you keep denying it, denying it, and denying it, you are calling the Holy Spirit a liar. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that is prompting your heart that Jesus is the way, that he is the one that died for your sins, and you can't get to heaven any other way except through him. It's the Holy Spirit that bears witness of that through your whole life. When you go through John uh, chapter 14, we find out that the Holy Spirit is with everyone. Doing what? Convicting them of sin. And their unbelief in Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so when you receive that witness, that's when you become a believer. If you don't receive that witness, what you're saying is that the Holy Spirit is a liar. That's an unrepentant heart. And guess what? 
There's nothing that can atone for that. That's one of the reasons why it's called blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It, it, Jesus says, therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Will not be forgiven. So in verse 15 it says, So Samuel lay down until morning, opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Well, you can only imagine, you know. That's not the kind of news I'd like to share with anybody, especially the person that the judgment is against. So, then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, he said, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? And please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Bit of an exhortation and a threat all wound up in one. He did say please. He did say please. Okay. You know, please do not hide it from me. He was nice about it. Please. However, if you do, may God do so to you as he spoke against me. I personally don't think Samuel had, or Eli has the power to actually invoke that. But you got to remember that Samuel's a very young kid at this time, so that threat is very real to him. Then Samuel told him everything, hid nothing from him. He said, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. Eli's response to this act of submission or passive resignation, um, I believe, is a lot like Hezekiah in Isaiah chapter 39. Um, when he was told his foolish actions would one day bring ruin to the house of, of Israel. And he says, well, at least there'll be you know, peace in my time. He didn't even care what he was bringing upon in the future upon Israel. And so um, Eli was now an old man who had not been a good father, a faithful priest, had already been warned of the coming judgment upon him and his family. His two sons would perish on the same day. His family would lose the privilege of the priesthood. And God has now chose Samuel to be judge, priest, and prophet, so Eli is now just resigned to that. He's indifferent to the plans of the Lord. And, uh, and he still does not remove his sons from the priesthood. Even after all that. Verse 19, so Samuel grew. The Lord was with him. Let none of his words fall to the grounds. That means that um, God started using him as a prophet. He started to prophesy. Everything that he said came to pass. Um, verse 20, and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. In other words, from the northernmost part of Israel to the southernmost parts of Israel, um, uh, everybody knew that, that Samuel was a prophet, knew that he was truly a man of God. And so we're talking probably another 20 years or more that God is, is um, uh, building up his reputation, that the things that he says comes to pass. And the things that he speaks is from the Lord. And everybody recognizes it. And you know why everybody recognizes it, if you ask me? It's because there's such a stark contrast between Samuel and what they have come to know the priesthood been, been before through Eli and his sons. It is night and day, and they're finally able to see, so that's what a man of God looks like. That's what a true priest looks like. That's what a prophet does. That's what a judge does. And they all recognized it. 
It's not as though he, he, he's won over half the people or a third of the people. They all see it. And they all know now that there's truly going to be a high priest in Israel. There's a huge contrast there. It's almost like saying from, from New York to California here in the United States, everybody knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. And then it says, Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord reveals himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. God had not appeared in Shiloh while, while, um, because the priesthood was corrupt. And so now he is showing himself up there in Shiloh because now there is a man of God, a prophet of God, somebody who, who is listening to the words of God that can actually speak the words of God that isn't corrupt. And so because of that, he reveals himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now, here's a great question to ask. How do you hear the voice of God? How do you hear the voice of God? I would say the best way to begin to hear the voice of God is to get rid of any unconfessed sin in your life. Because if you don't, you're not going to hear from God. God is long-suffering. He'll be patient with you. But there'll come a time when he will bypass you. And begin to speak to another vessel that is a much more worthier vessel because they're quick to repent. And they truly want to hear from the Lord. But it comes down to unconfessed sin. That's why I, I read to you Isaiah 59 too. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. The blame is always on us. You know. You, you have a, a gossipy tongue. And you wonder why you can't hear from God? You know, you have pornography in your life. You wonder why you can't hear from God. You know, you have some sort of addiction in your life. You wonder why you can't hear from God. You know, your, your iniquities have separated you from God so that he will not hear. Once you confess your sins, look for God in the word. It's the word of God. The word speaks the will of God. You want to know the will of God in your life? Read the word of God and, and he will speak to you there. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training and righteous, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I was on uh, Calvary Live um, today and, and I was talking to um, John earlier this morning and we were just saying about how, isn't it so cool about the Word of God that it was written through the Holy Spirit to, with the anticipation and the knowledge of every situation that you were ever to experience in the future. The Word of God speaks of that. So I, I have a gal who calls at the very end and, and says, you know, that uh, she's a believer, her husband isn't. Um, you know, what is it that I'm supposed to do? And you go directly to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and it just says, hey, your household is sanctified because of you. And, and if he allows for you to live there as, as a believer, don't depart. Um, you know, and, 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 and instead, you're there to sanctify him, sanctify the children. And I said, and I forget what her name is, I think it was Deborah. And I said, Deborah, isn't it cool that your exact situation is right here in the Bible? Isn't that amazing? 
And I'm here to say that that is true for everyone here. What is your situation? It is in the Bible somewhere. Your exact situation is in the Bible somewhere. Seek it out. And when I shared it with her, she was blown away. And she had a piece going, now I know what to do. You just sense it there on the radio. And it was just so cool to be able to see. But you bring it right back to the word of God. I've had a couple appointments this week where all of a sudden i just gone straight to the word of God. And I said, do you understand this? This is your situation. This is what you need to do. Do you agree? I do. I said, isn't that awesome? That God has your exact situation right here and this is what you're supposed to do? I love that about God's word. He speaks through his word. The third thing that I look at to hear God's voice, you have to recognize it. That probably, I probably should have put this as, as number one, actually, now that I go through this. I would have this number one. Because Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me, meaning they recognize his voice. In order to recognize his voice, you need to belong to him. So you first need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I know as we go through that, I'm like, duh, pastor boy, that should have been number one. Well, I, I, I agree. I have no idea what I was thinking there. I was just proud of myself that I came up with six things. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't think like that. If you, you've been, I mean, you've been coming here long enough. Whenever I ever said, here are four things you need to do. Here are six things that God showed me here. This is probably the first. So I was just excited that I had six things. I didn't really check in the order there, but they're all good. You have to belong to him. That, that only makes sense. And fourthly, to hear his voice, you got to spend time. The only way I can get to know someone is by spending time with them. And that means you spend time with God in the way of prayer, your own personal study time, the time that you sit before him and you just shut up and let him speak. We all know people and they shall remain nameless. But when you get together for them with coffee or you call them up on the phone and you've spent 30 minutes with them, yet 25 has been them jabbering the whole time, you haven't got a word in edgewise. That's not a real relationship. You just become a sounding board. That's not the way it is with God. We have to have a time where we say nothing. Let him speak to us. It's got to be that way. And fifthly, God will also speak to you through other believers. In Proverbs 15, 22, it says, Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. God will speak to you through other people. Where there's two or three witnesses, a thing is established. God does want to speak to you to, through other people. And I would gather, not always, but I would say, um, I would be always you know, kind of listening and things like that but especially somebody that I know is close to the Lord when they speak, I'm listening. I'm listening. And sixthly, you need the Holy Spirit. Lord, lead and guide me in truth. Ask for that. Lead and guide me in truth. That's John 16. And speaking of the Holy Spirit, that's why he's here there, to lead and guide you in truth. And that's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. I have the, uh, an, there's a, um, 
time. I'm actually going up there this next week up to Idra Haji to speak at the Calvary Chapel Bible College up there uh, this next week. And about a year ago, I did this. And um, I go up and I, I teach on Monday night and then I teach uh, Tuesday morning. And then I l- usually leave around noon. And I always um, leave early on Monday because I like to kind of fish on the way up there. I just stop off and I just throw my line into a stream here and there as I'm getting up there because I've got to be up there by about 4 o'clock. And it's a five-hour drive. Uh, but the earlier I leave, the more time I have if I feel so inclined to just kind of fish and just relax. And then on the way back, I always tell my wife I'll be home at about 8. And she goes, well, if you leave at noon, why aren't you home at 4 or 5? I said, because I'm going to be fishing. That's why. And so um, uh, last year, uh, just a great time with the students. And uh, um, I am just, you know, dog tired because I teach for about three hours at night I, from about 7 to 10. Um, and, uh, and then afterwards... Uh, there was an afterglow, and there's like 15 students or so. And uh, during the afterglow, I just sensed like the Lord said, you need to pray for each one of those students. And this is the first thing I thought. If I pray three minutes apiece, and each one of these kids has 45 more minutes, I'm going to be here. And if one of them gets a little long-winded, I could be here for an hour or longer. And I'm having this, this issue with the Lord, because I'm tired. So I go, okay. And, and, uh, and I start praying, and the Lord is there. It is so awesome. It was a great time. And it was about an hour. And so uh, it's now midnight. We go to bed, and we get up at 6.30 uh, or 7 o'clock, I think, to, to eat. But I'm teaching by 8 o'clock. And, um, and so I teach till, till noon because he has all the stuff that he wants me to teach. And so I teach till noon. And then um, uh, I want to say goodbye to Jeff, who, who is the uh, head of the Bible college and the campground up there and everything. And he, he goes, dude, can I talk to you for a minute? And all I'm thinking is, dude, I want to go fishing. You know, what are you doing? I've done my deal. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he says, but he, his heart is really heavy. And I'm going, there's no way I could say no to this guy. And, uh, and so we start talking and he kind of shares some frustrations, but then also his vision for the camp and the, and, and, and the Bible college. And, and I'm there for another two hours. I'm going, uh, you know, but the whole time I'm going, I know I'm doing what I'm doing, supposed to be doing. So on the way home, I only get like about an hour to fish, you know. It was one of the best hour of fishing in my life. Because you can't outgive God. I wasn't thinking about that or whatever. And uh, it, was, it was pretty stellar. But I was exhausted by the time I went back. But, but you can see the, the leading and guiding of God. You can, you, you, I recognize God's voice. I knew what it was that he was trying to tell me that I needed to do. I'm going, I have to do this. This is, this is, my, you know, this is my shepherd. This is, this is God's voice. I have to do what he tells me to do here. And I was exhausted through it. But I was, I was more blessed than anything else. Can you hear your master's voice? Can you hear when your shepherd calls? Are you going to be able to hear it? Do you hear it? Because a lot of times it's not going to be at night when everything's quiet. It's probably mostly going to be when there's things going on. And you already have in your head what it is that you're supposed to do and you're doing it. And then God breaks through all that and says, and now I want you to do this. And you're going, whoa, I've already put in my time. But you don't do that because you go, wow, okay. This is the Lord. Neither death nor even life. 
That completes this Tuesday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Join us Wednesday as we continue our study in 1 Samuel. Fall is here, which means it's time for our annual Harvest Festival. On October 31st, Calvary Castle Rock will be hosting a wonderful free event for the whole family. The night will include carnival games, inflatables, high strikers, face painting, funnel cakes, food, and of course, lots of candy. So come on out and join us from 4 to 8 p.m. October 31st. We are located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at calvarycr.com. That's calvarycr.com. Or you can call our church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for listening in today. And until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Mm